Welcome to episode two of the Target Slam Tennis Podcast. In this week's episode, I'm joined by my good friend and fellow tennis coach Gregor Bryden from Open Scotland. In this episode, we discuss Gregor's time living and coaching out in USA at the John Newcomb Tennis Ranch, and we also discuss his time at Stirling University, where he was part of the tennis squad and the Barmy Army, which is the GB Davis Cup cheering squad. So I hope you enjoy. Hello. Hello, Gregor. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm good. Yeah, there we go. Good to see you. Good to see you too. Wow, you look very clear on your camera. My camera's very shaky. Yeah, this it's my new uh, my new iPad I got for Christmas. Oh, new technology. Well, uh, good very to see high you. Performance, huh? Yeah, very high performance. <laughs> good to see you. Well, I thought a good way for us to get started with this podcast, seeing as we are both tennis coaches. Uh, yeah. I'm not sure if you've been on Instagram lately or not, but all over the Instagram. There are like videos of tennis players who've flown out to Australia for the Australian Open. Of course. Um, and they need to quarantine for like two weeks um, before they're allowed to go out because of COVID. And they're mm-hmm. all doing like mad training regimes from the hotel bedrooms. So obviously they don't have a tennis court. You see some of them doing like footwork, little drills on a cone, or some people doing volleys against the bedroom window and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, so... I just wondered what your like thoughts on that are, and if you think that is going to impact how they perform at the Australian Open. Well, it's. Um, I mean, we've all been going through the, the same kind of lockdown, you know. I personally haven't been doing the uh, the whole practice of the tennis, unfortunately. Um, although I do need to do your your challenge you gave me just the other week. The push. I still got to. I still got to try and beat the pancake challenge. Yeah. The pancake, oh, the, pa- the pancake got the point. Oh, the pancake challenge, the yeah. Pancake. yeah, yeah, yeah. I've got to get on that. But um, I think the record on that one might be 30. I think I got 30. No, no, no. I got 50, 76. And the record <laughs> is 78. Um, yeah, yeah. Which I think one of my former students, Jay Hemmings, has the record on that one. That's right. So I guess you could he- say um, he did get the record, but I taught him. So in theory, <laughs> you have the record. Yeah, I mean, it kind of adds up, you know. Yeah. Like you, you, you have the total. Yeah. 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 Just so the listeners have got a little bit of context so we're not waffling on. On Instagram, <laughs> I tra- I tagged Gregor in a challenge. Um, so you've got to do pancake flip overs. That's where you hit the ball on one side of your strings and hit it on the other side of your strings without the ball bouncing. And I think you've got to see how many you can get in 30 seconds. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. But going back to your initial question. Australian Open, yeah. <laughs> Um, no, I feel like they're they're doing their best in the situation that they're dealing with. You know, um, I did see, uh, I believe, someone got fined for practicing volleys against the window and cracking the window. Oh, uh, it might have been, yes. might have been Benchic. I'm not sure, uh, mm-hmm. but who they knows? Got, they got um, fined. Wait, did they get fined, Gregor, or did they get have to pay for the new window? Like, which was it? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Maybe okay. a fine, maybe, maybe a full payment. Yeah. Um, but uh, it's a tough one to call because obviously there's those who aren't quarantining, those mm-hmm. who got through fine. And it's quite a high number, I think, that's in the quarantine itself, is it not? Yeah. I mean, every time I go on Instagram, there's a new player doing a training thing from the hotel <laughs> bedroom. And then also I, I click on Instagram and I see like, players who are out in Australia already, either because they're from Australia or because they must have arrived early and avoided the quarantine, who are like mm-hmm. out on the practice courts, you know, hitting loads of balls. 
So yeah. I'm you know, at the start of the competition, could we see like a few upsets because players have not been getting the usual spot practice? I think, yeah, I mean, it's it's 14 days of, of being inside a room by yourself without actually getting proper practice. So you could see some, some rusty tennis, I reckon, when you first get on the court. Yeah, you definitely could. You definitely could. Yeah, because yeah. the, the thing is, you've got players like Djokovic, who he isn't quarantining. He he was fine to get through. Um, and you did know that guy, he's always... Did he go early or did he...? No, so the reason, I think the reason for the um, the quarantine is because there was a few flights who had um, numbers of cases. Um, and that's the only reason uh, for the quarantine itself. Okay, okay, I didn't know that. Yeah, it's only a specific number of people who have been caught up in the ah, quarantine. Okay, okay. I thought literally everyone who went in had to quarantine. Yeah. So no, no. It's uh, it's due to I think there were three cases um, of positive um, COVID tests. So those flights, the whole flights had to quarantine. Okay, okay. Right, Gregor. Um, predictions for the Australian Open this year. Who do you think is going to win it? It's. It's a tough one to say. On the men's side, uh, firstly, you've obviously got Dominic Team, who's just come off his maiden victory at the US Open. So it's hard to, to pass him up for, for a chance, mm-hmm. um, being on hard court once again. But, I mean, you can't rule out Djokovic. The guy just seems to love it in Australia. And he's, he's really pushing to to get to the next level, you know, he's trying to pass the down bed. I'm not the biggest fan of the guy, but what an athlete, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Um, absolutely. I, I agree. Um, I think I think Djokovic will win the men's side this year. I think he probably would have won the US if he didn't, um, mm-hmm. you know, smack the tennis ball at, at <laughs> randoms. But, um, yeah, slightly controversial, but I mm-hmm. think Djokovic is going to go on to have the most grand slams in men's tennis. Um, Good statement. Mm-hmm. Because he's on, is he on 17? Am I right in saying that? I, th- I think it is 17. Yeah, because he was only two behind uh, Nadal before uh, Nadal managed to get to the 20. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and Nadal and Federer are both on 20 now, aren't they? Yeah. So Federer, he, I mean, I, I, I don't want to say finish because he could come back and win another grand slam. <laughs> I'm not going to say that. But if he does come back and win another, I think Wimbledon is probably Federer's best bet. You know, he's yeah. getting older. Um, his style of tennis does lend it, itself to faster surfaces, i.e. grass, mm-hmm. Wimbledon. So um, that's probably Federer's best chance of winning another, another slam. And Nadal, um, you know, King of Clay is probably going to win. I don't know how many more French Open. <laughs> but I just think Djokovic, except the French Open, has got a good chance when he goes into all three. And he's, he is only three grand slams behind them. Yeah. And he is the youngest as well. He is the youngest. So, yeah, I think he's going to do it, you know. I mean, I, he's not my favourite of the three. He's probably my least favourite. <laughs> you know, he, I think he will go on to have that um, goat status. Yeah, that's true. Because he, he's always had that. He's always been wanting to achieve what Nadal and Federer have. Mm-hmm. Because they're loved by all. They've always been that way. It's like kind of the almost bromance between the two. You know, and then he's just been that other guy who's been on the side. Yeah, he's the third wheel. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> You've got a lot of love relationship, and Djokovic is just hanging out on the side as the third wheel. Right, what about yeah. on the women's side? 
Well, like I said, on, on the men's side, you, you had a team who just came off a victory. Osaka, mm-hmm. uh, again, great championship the whole way through. Um, I think she's, again, just coming into her own. Mm-hmm. And there are obviously lots of women out there who are, are constantly fighting for the top spot. But she just seems to have something else, I think. Um, and for for a long, long time, she could be at the top of the game, winning yeah. countless slams, I reckon. Or we she, she is class. I, uh, I I agree with you. I also think Osaka is going to win it. She is, mm-hmm. she is very, very good. And she just seems to hit such a heavy ball, like compared yeah. to... The other, the other women on the tour, she just seems to hit such a heavy ball, especially off the forehand. Like her forehand mm. is mega, massive serve as well. So Osaka, maybe maybe Barty as well though. Yeah, you can't rule her out. It's Australia, you know. Yeah, Ash Barty. Yeah, home favourite as well. She'll have. Well, I was about to say she'll have the fans on her side, but she'll have the. Um, That's right. Yeah, the people on the iPads if they do a virtual <laughs> or the US Open. Did they do that? Yeah. Well, they had like all the random screens of faces of fans, like that like, was what the US Open was like electric screens or actual, like, like it was a massive TV screen oh, that it had yeah. all the different faces of people watching and celebrating. It was quite weird, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I can't wait till you know we're allowed to actually go back into a stadium properly again. Uh, yeah. If we can, if it's possible, I Greg, we should definitely go to Wimbledon this year. If it and is compete, possible. you mean? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, if, if we're feeling up to, we can play. But, um, you know, definitely go as a fan and watch it if we're allowed to. Oh, it would be amazing. Yeah. I mean, I don't want to speculate as to whether, you know, it'll be possible by then. But <laughs> if possible, we need to go. We have to go. Yeah. So, Greg, a little question for you. Um, yeah. Who's the best doubles partner you've ever had in your tennis career? <laughs> Jeez, I mean, it's, there's not even a competition to say who's the best. It was clearly yourself. Ah, what a moment. <laughs> I mean, what, what year was that? 2017? Was it 2017? Was it, it was a, a few years back, yeah. It was either 2017 or 2018. It was the year that I brought, because um, just for the listeners at home, Gregor lives in Oban, Scotland. Um, they host the big famous tennis tournament there every year called the West Highland Tennis Championships. Um, so it's the local club that Gregor is coaching at right now. And I brought a team of tennis players along. There was um, 10 scousers that went along and played in the tournament. And Gregor and I thought we'd make a guest appearance in men's doubles. And I'm with you. You were my favourite doubles partner, you know, of all time. And I would say what we lacked in tennis ability, we definitely made up for in humour. Yes, yeah, most definitely. Yeah, yeah. There was, was a lot, uh, there was a lot of balls went right down the middle where we were both saying yours and no one touched it. Um, I feel like since then we've both improved on our doubles communication. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it, it needed a lot of improvement, but we have done so. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. I've now picked a partner that when I say yours, they actually run for the ball rather than us both uh, staring at each other blindly and... <laughs> no, all jokes aside, uh, it is a brilliant tournament, and it's actually where you and I first met. Obviously, we've probably spent most of our time um, hanging out in in America, in USA specifically, mm-hmm. at the John Newcomb Tennis Academy, Tennis Ranch, uh, yeah. where we both spent time working. I spent probably about two years in total working out there between 
you know, um, being an intern there and doing summer camp counsellors there. And you've been there for probably three, four years, maybe. Uh, yeah, I mean, I've done different stints, similar to yourself. Um, but uh, yeah, I did summer of 14 and then did what you did and did an internship as well uh, the year after you. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then I went back again for a traineeship um, just finished up in, in March of 2020. So when you went back the last time, you were like, just so everybody knows this, John Newcomb Tennis Ranch, it's a pretty big complex and a big facility. And they run, it's like, how many tennis courts? 30? 32? 32. 32 tennis courts, yeah. There's a half court. I think it's 32 and a half, or maybe 31 and a half. I'm not 100% sure. Yeah, because you know, they the have single, single court and the tennis wall. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And they have all different sorts of programs. So they have, I think it's the number one, I might be misquoted there. I think it's the number one tennis camp, summer ten- tennis camp in USA. Is that right? Let's go with that. I'm not 100% sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it could be. I, I might be pulling that statistic out of thin air. Um, so it's got a really amazing summer camp. Um, and then they also have a year-round academy where players train. And I think a very high amount of them players go on to play college tennis as well, don't they? Yeah, it's, uh, I think they have a 99% success rate for college scholarships. Jeez. Oh. So You'll take that stat any day of the week. Yeah, I mean, 99% is not a bad not a bad score at all. And I think yes. in the past, they've had some brilliant players there. They've had um, Lee Nautrain there. She won the Australian for, Open. For a period of time, yeah. Um, Leighton Hewitt. Mm-hmm. He did, uh, when he was young, for, for a couple of years, I think. Yeah, um, I would just then, check all my facts as we go along here, Gregor, because I'm saying these with a confused face. <laughs> we, they might no, not be there's so, definitely been uh, Hewitt and Lena for for singles. Obviously, there were, there were the Harrison brothers. Oh yeah, um, Ryan and Christian. Who's Christian's had a good few a few titles this year, or mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's right. He's he's done no, really he, well. He it. has. He was because um, he was definitely on the rise, and then I think he's been battling against injury for a while. And, yeah, and then this year, I think, well, last year he returned to playing tournaments and I think mm-hmm. his ranking has just been going up and up and up. So they've got loads yeah. of high-quality players there. And then also, um, probably the you and I worked a little bit on the academy, but where we spent most of our time was on the adult tennis programme, which That's is right. um, it's a little bit different to British culture. So people go on tennis holidays. They go there for either a week-long programme or they go there for a weekend. And we basically hang out with them. We coach them tennis all week. We have meals with them. You know, go to the bar with them and have a bacon butty with them. We, uh, yeah, we do all sorts of good, good fun stuff. So, um, yeah, tell us a little bit about your last time you were there, like your experiences and what you were doing when you were directing. Yeah, uh, so I went over in 2018 um, and I was on a year and a half visa. And... I went over just as a, a ranch pro, as they would call us, and I was working under those who were in charge, those directors for the programs. And um, over time, um, gained more experience and used my experience in the past uh, time, the past year that I was over there, uh, to to kind of grow in confidence. And um, from that, an opening um, came uh, to me in, in the spring of 2019. Uh, to be a director for the adult program as well as for the summer camp. So 
Yeah, with that, I was running the program alongside our good friend Adrian um, Nooks, Teriyaki Ninja Warrior, <laughs> um, and yeah, we we ran the program with a great team and did exactly as you said. We had the weekend programs, which huge numbers. I mean, we were coaching 100, 150 people sometimes on a weekend. Insane, you know, it was insane numbers. Yeah, yeah. It's it's very intense as well. I mean, you're you're on court, and it's it's not for the faint-hearted. You know, well, it depends. <laughs> it depends which way you look at. It. it depends which group comes along as well. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you have and a great time. You work extremely hard. Yeah, and since you've been back, you've been back to Scotland, which you came back in because of the COVID pandemic. You had to come back a little bit early from your visa. Yeah. And you've been coaching pretty much a regular. When I say regular, I'm not not the coaching adult holiday tennis is not regular, but for us it is quite it's quite an obscure thing. So you've been coaching like a red regular program at a regular club. Um, what are the big differences between coaching holiday tennis and someone that you would see like on a weekly basis for private lessons or groups? What are the big differences? That's a good question. Um, firstly, the biggest difference with holiday tennis and what I do is the weather. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> yeah, you know, the west coast of Scotland, uh, you're expecting sleet, rain, snow, whatever it might be, you're just going to play in it. But you look at a holiday or a weekend or a week long program, and it's a completely different approach to someone you would meet and see on a weekly basis. You, you've got to think, I'm giving this person as much information in such a short period of time, and it's almost at times it might be information overload. Yeah. And you make that point clear at the beginning of the week or the weekend. You say, look, we're here and we're going to give you this information. And maybe don't think about taking it all in because it's just going to completely mess with your mind. Um, but you put it out there for people to kind of pick pieces off um, and hopefully take on to their own, into their own game, you know. I think that's one of the big things as well because um, I've been back from Texas now for five years and um, running my own business. Is that how long it's been? Five years? Five years, yeah. I left in Jeez. August of 2015 was when I left. Oh. I think I, as I was leaving, you were coming and we were doing like a little switch that's situation. Right. Um, yeah, and I saw you in the airport, I think, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That was me uh, waving in the <laughs> distance. Yeah. Um, and one of the, one of the things um, since I've been back is... As you, as you say, when you see a player every every session, you maybe give them two or three bits of information across a whole lesson and you say that same bit of information a million different ways and you give analogies <laughs> and you draw pictures for them, mental pictures for them at least so they can understand what they're learning. And you're not overly worried about it because you'll probably see them, you know, two, three times a week for the next, I don't know how many years. When you're going on holiday, um, you're coming in and seeing them. You've got to, first of all, build a relationship with them pretty fast. Oh, yeah. as you know like the coaching relationship in order for you to listen to me as a tennis coach you know we need to get along well and you need to trust me and um, I need you know we need to have, yeah we need to have a good rapport essentially and mm -hmm. you've got to pretty much build up that rapport pretty fast and you've also got to be able to give them a lot of information in a short amount of time so I would, I would definitely agree with you that's one of the big differences between the yeah yeah you put it you put it perfectly there um it's like, it's that initial, the initial moment where you've got a group of 150 people and you're like, how do I manage to get to know everyone 
and get a connection with everyone. But mm-hmm. by the end of the weekend, you know pretty much everyone. You know like all the names somehow. Like your mind just get, gets most of the, the names in. Whereas on a, on, a, on a person that you coach consistently, I mean, that's just one person. But you, yeah. you, you never, ever, ever remember the name, do you? That person you see every week. No, I'm joking. Sorry, Come, on, Tiger. Come on, Tiger. <laughs> Come on, sport. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm joking. We always remember the names. Sorry, I interrupted you there, Gregor. You, you carry on with your... No, I mean, it's just... It, it's just the kind of the way it was. And I, I personally, I really enjoyed that out in, out in the States, out in Texas. Um, and it was quite a change coming home. Um, I was doing more kids coaching. Um, it's just the way it kind of works here in Oban because there isn't the biggest club. It's, it's really not the biggest club, uh, unfortunately. And uh, it's just lucky we have lots of other sports. Um, but what we do have within the club, it's, it's a good good atmosphere, a good kind of family, family yeah. vibe. So everyone gives off the best that they can and um, yeah. we have a good time with it. One of the big things for me, just on on the um, news, <coughs> on the nuke situation, was um, it was almost it felt like when it, I, I'd been coaching in England before I ever went to nukes. I studied co- I studied sport at university and coaching was part of my degree, and also I was coaching at my local club, club Palmerston at the time, so I was quite familiar with you know coaching and still still very early on in my coaching career. I was only eighteen, so it was nearly ten years ago now. And it was almost like a perspective switch for me when I first went up there because at least the tennis that I've been around was always quite serious. And, you know, instruction was quite full on and it, it, it felt not like it was life or death, but it, it did feel it was very serious every time you were stepping onto the tennis court. And then as soon as I arrived there, it felt almost like a different sort of vibe. There was almost like a fun vibe and a team vibe. Mm-hmm. You know, if you made a mistake, it wasn't necessarily, you know, the end of the world where somebody's going to come over and give you a full analysis and break down why you hit the bottom of the net. It was, you know, they come over and say a little joke and make you laugh and then carry on and maybe tell you a, a theme once you make that mistake five times. Yeah. No, it's it's true. It's, uh, it is far more of a, a fun experience, I think, for both of us because... Our, our backgrounds are somewhat similar in that sense. Like you came from a reasonably small club within Liverpool. Um, I came from here. Um, and yeah, at the time, I, I didn't really have much coaching in the background. Uh, there wasn't the biggest um, kind of tennis community at that point. Uh, so I left that and then went over to what was this massive ball of energy in in the middle of New Brunfels, Texas, you know, it's, uh, and it was during a summer camp. So there's hundreds of kids there. I walk in, I'm like, what the heck is this? You know, like, yeah. where's this coming from? Uh, and it's all fun. There was music, there were events going on, you know, it's all of this. And it's like, wow, this for a kid would just be fantastic. You know? Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. And I feel like um, a little, little story for you, Gregor, this kind of hit me right away when I first went out to Nukes. Um, I think I was, yeah, I would have been 18 when I first went and I just, I flew over with my friend, Jack Berry, who's no longer a tennis coach. He's now a pharmacist. Oh no, no, oh, he's, wow. he's, an, he's an NHS hero. He's um, working in a pharmacy, but he's training to be like a associate physician, which is kind of like a GP or physician associate. One of them. He'll watch you and correct me. And anyways, so the first morning we arrived, um, Jack just wanted to go and have a good time for a summer. 
And I was wanting to get every opportunity to be, to be on a tennis court and learn from the tennis coaches there. So I decided to get up the next morning. I think I've been flying for like, we went all around the world to get there. So it must've been 26 hours of travel time. We flew from England to Germany. We were in the airport in Germany for three hours, flew back over England to fly to somewhere in America. And then we flew to Texas. And yeah, it was mad, mad crazy flight. <laughs> um, got to the accommodation that night. It must've been like 11 o'clock. And I think I finally got to sleep at like midnight. And I got told by one of the people in the room that I was staying that the next morning, there was a 6 a.m. run for anyone that wanted to go. So I thought, all right, you know what? I'll I'll do this, you know. You already live once, don't you? So I got exactly. on, did the 6 a.m. run. I was very tired. And um, I walk up there and there's about 20, 20 people there. And I'm just kind of in a world of my own, trying to wake myself up. And then there's these two crazy guys stood there, 6 a.m. with more energy than I've ever had at any point in my life. <laughs> One of them was um, Adrian, the guy that you were speaking about before. Um, Terry mm -hmm. Ninja Warrior, and the other guy was Mitch, who's also uh, Charles Charles Mitchell Joyce, who's yeah. also an awesome tennis coach. And the first thing, and I actually remember this speech because it was a bit of a perspective switch for me, was um, they pretty much said, "Right, everybody here is tired. We've all got up at six a.m., but you've all done something brilliant by getting up at this time in the morning. And even though when you're on the tennis court, you feel like you're all playing an individual sport and everybody's playing for themselves." You want to feel like you're part of a team and you are all a team together here. So when you run this morning, we're going to run three miles. I don't want you to run in silence and not speak to anyone. As you run, find somebody new, go over to them, introduce yourself, tell, tell them hi, give them a little fist pump or a high five or whatever, and then go and do it to somebody else. And all the way through the run, we were all like vibing with each other and we were all like shouting positive, you know, reinforcement, shouting like, you know, I, I can't think I can't think of the exact word. We were shouting hype, <laughs> hype, where well. And it was just a good team feel. And even though I was like exhausted, I just got off the plane, like no not much sleep at all. I felt so energized because it was such like a good team fun feel. Yeah. So that's epic. Yeah. So you would say it was quite world class. With world, quite world class, class. top shelf. Rock solid. Rock solid. Definitely rock solid, yeah. So it was a performance, all that stuff. Yeah. yeah. As I previously mentioned, you and I did meet back in 2011. And that was when we became good mates. And it was because of the tennis tournament in Scotland, the West Island Championships. Mm -hmm. um, we got the train up from Liverpool, which I think is like a 200-mile train journey, or I don't know how many miles exactly it's. I think maybe more, but it's not far Okay, more more like three hundred or <laughs> maybe. <I don't> know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You've never measured the distance, no. No, not personally, no. Okay, well, anyways, it's a good train journey, and we went up there. Um, there was a gang of tennis players from the John Newcomb Tennis Ranch that went there. There was sixteen of them and two tennis coaches, Esther and Chris Jocks, and um, there was players that travelled from all across Scotland. Um, Alan McDonald, who you referenced before, who's Jamie, right. Jamie Murray's coach, he was there. He won it that year as well. And <laughs> it, it was just a really good tournament to see loads of players coming from pretty much all over the place to go and play and compete in, in one place. And the reason I really liked the tournament is even though there was people travelling from pretty much everywhere and also... 
there was a massive disparity in level. If you had to put, you know, myself and Alan McDonald on the course next to each other, there would be a big gap in level. Um, <laughs> everyone was just getting along and everyone was vibing and having a good time. And when we weren't on the tennis court, we were, you know, playing ping pong or going on the rock climb or, or, you know, and I think there was also activities and events because a lot of people have traveled. Yeah, yeah. We, uh, I know we used to do quiz nights and, quiz and we had like a barbecue night. And I always remember, it was funny, the, the, the kids from, from Nooks were like, oh, barbecue, so we're going to have ribs, we're going to have steak and this. And it's like, no, we're having burgers. Like, yeah. <laughs> barbecue in Britain is a burger and maybe some sausages. Like, a hot dog as well, yeah. That's it. A yeah. hot dog, yeah, some coleslaw, if you like coleslaw, I mean. Yeah. That's it. Wait. But no, it was great. It was it was a lot of fun. And also, yeah. you shouldn't put yourself down. Yourself and Alan McDonald side by side. Oh no, no, it was more of a, it was more of a slant to Alan McDonald than myself. I meant the gap <laughs> difference was big. The other direction. Like I didn't want to embarrass. Okay, oh, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, speaking of having fun in tennis, anyways, Gregor, um, you went to Stirling University, and you were part. I did, of, yeah. You were part of the tennis team there. I know Stirling's got a massive tennis program going on they've got all sorts of mm -hmm. world-class players playing there and also you went there as well and um <laughs> thanks i'm joking you're a great player and <laughs> um you guys were part of the barmy army gb davis Club. yeah um cheering squad is that supporters right team. supporters team yeah so it's like the barmy army supporters team for for the davis cup <clears throat> and unfortunately i I say unfortunately. I was in America at the time when Britain won uh, the the Davis Cup when Andy Murray played that lob mm -hmm. over David Goffin's head. Yeah, uh, glorious, glorious. But the Barmy Army was there at the time, and I then went to university that summer or that that autumn, and um, it was actually my first week. And I went to the Freshers' Fair and signed up my name for, for the tennis team. And then one of the guys behind uh, said, oh, you should sign up and come along to um, come to the meeting for the Barmy Army tonight. And I was like, I don't even know what that is. If I'm being honest, I didn't know what it was. Mm -hmm. uh, but I turned up and I was the only fresher to turn up that day. No, myself and one other guy. Uh, we turned up and <clears throat> it was like, so the first tie for the GB Argentina match um, is on Saturday. So everyone in the meeting can come along. I was like, perfect. So what do I have to do? It's like, just buy your train ticket through to Glasgow and you'll be there all Saturday and you'll get to see the tennis. So and maybe it wasn't a Saturday, maybe it was a Friday. I don't know what day it was, but it doesn't matter. Um, and I got to see and be a part of the Andy Murray, uh, Juan Del Potro um, match. It was unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. And I feel yeah, like... Five when, uh, yeah. And when that was on on the TV, I remember you shot me a message and you were like, oh, I'm going to the GB Davis Cup match. And it was a brilliant match, the Andy Murray Del Potro won. I think Del Potro won that, did he? Was that right? He did. It was some, it was, I think it was Andy Murray's longest match ever. It was like five hours and, I don't know, seven, 17 minutes or something. Yeah. But um, I just remember you... Um, oh, go on. Sorry. No, carry on, carry on. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, I was just going to say, I remember you telling me that you were going to be there in the audience, and I thought, 
you know, whenever your friends are in the audience on TV, I was watching on the TV, but trying to not watch the match as such, but look out for Gregor in the stands. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody's wearing the same thing, so it's play like playing with Wally. Yeah, well, some of the outfits that we had, definitely it was a Where's Wally moment. I mean, <laughs> like you're obviously wanting to be seen by the cameras. We're making the most of the noise. Um, and it's funny because the next tie I went to, I was very lucky enough uh, to go to the Canada tie um, in Ottawa. Oh, you flew um, to Canada? Yeah. What? what? That's amazing. Yeah, uh, February, February of 2017. Um, we all got to Glasgow Airport. We're all just kind of kitted out with what we've got, and then we fly over to Ottawa. Actually, we flew to Toronto and then got a train to Ottawa. Had a great time in Toronto, but we got to Ottawa, and it's a crazy experience. I don't know. Have you been to Canada? No, I've not. I really want to go. It's oh, on the bucket list. Glorious place, but the weird thing was the stadium was maybe, I think it was two miles from where we were staying in a, what was a jail hostel, um, a renovated jail into a hostel. And you could, um, you could rent skates, like ice skates, to get from the, uh, from the hostel. And the canal was frozen. So we were ice skating the canal all the way around to the stadium. Really <laughs> weird. That is insane. Yeah. And did you stay in bedrooms or did you, did you stay in cells? It was cells. Really? Yes, cells, 100%. Bunk beds, cells. really strange experience, but it was a really cool experience at the same time. Nice. But anyway, going back to the tennis, we got over and we were there, and on the first day, we were right behind the um, GB team, mm -hmm. and we've got quite a good connection with them. Obviously, we saw them in Argentina, for the Argentina tie, and they had known us for quite a while before that. And anyway, we've kind of got jokes going with them and all that stuff. And then we're making all the noise, banging on the drum, doing chants and all this. And all the Canadians are like, what the heck is this? You know, like, that's not the Canadian way. They're, they're really polite people. And we we're just there making loads of noise. So anyway, the first day goes by, had a great time. The next day, they haven't been making any noise at all. The next day, they come in with a full band. They've got trumpets. They've got, like, banging the cymbals together, just making a racket. And uh, oh, it was a fantastic time until, well, right at the very end, what wasn't fantastic was, I don't know if you saw it yourself, when Shapo, uh, young Dennis Shapovalov, hit the umpire in the eye. Mm -hmm. uh, we, I was at that match, um, not very far from it as well. So it was, it was quite, uh, quite a noise, if you can imagine getting hit in the face with a tennis ball. Yeah. yeah, not the best experience. But. That was, just for the listeners, that was one of them, almost similar to the Novak Djokovic moments from US Open, where I think yeah. in like rage, he just decided to smack the tennis ball. And he hit the umpire, did he? He, yeah, so if we're going to kind of compare it, Djokovic is one, he did hit it, but not yeah. with his full, full power into it. Yeah. This one, Dennis did. He absolutely obliterated the ball. Oh my he gosh. was trying to go for the for the roof. Like he was trying to go out and build it. And it hit the umpire right in the eye. It was uh yeah. It's quite bad. Yeah, I can imagine. I can imagine. Jeez. Yeah. But I mean, at the end of the day, it was a really cool thing to be a part of for that Canada tie. And um, after it, we we got the win and we were invited to to eat dinner with the, the team. At their hotel and um 
Yeah, did you chat? Did you chat to any of them? Did you chat to any of the guys? Yeah, I was chatting to well, Jamie, Jamie, and then um, Dom Inglot. They had their kind of own table, mm-hmm. uh, and then they came over and they were like, "Oh, we're leaving uh, in the morning, so we'll, we'll catch you guys." And then uh, I was chatting to to Kyle Edmund and Dan Evans and Cameron Norrie at the time. He was oh. there. He wasn't playing, but he was kind of coming up. Um, so yeah, got, I mean, they're just just genuine kind of nice guys. Yeah, so that was a good experience. A little bit of an um, off-the-cuff question then. So obviously, our you know best British player, maybe maybe he's on the well, not maybe he's on kind of the downward slope right now, which is Andy Murray, um, because of injuries and whatnot. Who do you think is our second best after Andy Murray? Who's our next big hope? I mean, right now it's Dan Evans. Mm-hmm. He he's actually ranked number one, I believe. Um, I, I I think Kyle. I think Kyle's got the game. His his forehand is just absolutely massive. Yeah. Uh, he just unfortunately at times he's just not been able to put it together. And he he does have the, the weapons to take out the top players in the world. Just consistently hasn't managed to get there throughout the years. You know. I'm with you. I'm with you. I think in terms of like actual firepower and weapons. Um, Kyle Edmund has to be our second best. Like he's got, is even it, you mentioned the forehand. His forehand, he can yeah. go heavy topspin, but he can also really flatten it out and hit it like a bullet, Carney. And um, yeah. his save, he's got a massive oh, yeah. save. He's got a bomb. But having said that, Dan Evans, he's I, he's quite a big guy. Yeah, he's built, isn't he? He's built. He definitely um, does his push-ups mm-hmm. at home. Definitely jumps on the um, pull-up bar as well. <laughs> And but Dan Evans, I, yeah. Well, do you know what? I actually I've been during lockdown. I've been trying to do it every day. So I, I call it paying my taxes. And every time I walk past the bar, I've got to you know bash out a set of five pull-ups and ten push-ups. So yeah, it's been um, keep me in good shape. But back to the professionals, um, Dan Evans. I do, even though he doesn't have the weapons, I do really enjoy the way he plays. Like it's fun to watch. He's got a beautiful backhand slice and. I love the way he comes to the net. Like, it's just fun to watch him play an all-court game. Yeah, I mean, the guy's got such a, an all-round game. Is, is, there a, is there a bit of lag just now? I think there might have been, but I think we're good. I think we're good. Okay, I'll, I'll re-answer, I guess, that part. Yeah, so... Um, oh, yeah, go on. No, so Dan Evans, I mean, he's got an all-round game. Uh, it's It's quite fun to see on the, on, on the TV and fun to see in person uh, because I, I thought it was a couple of years ago there was that miraculous backhand spinning shot did you ever see it? Mm-hmm. it was like shot of the year oh. in 2019 was it off a lob? I don't know what it was off to be honest I think he was running back on something no it was a serve I think I don't know what it was it doesn't matter but he plays <laughs> something he just brings he brings something to the game and it was kind of out there uh because he'd had a bit of time off the game as well, but no, I think we've got we've got some good chances in the future with with British tennis, you know. Yeah, yeah, especially with you and I coaching in the country, you know. There, there's say, always you know? there's always <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah. Greg. Um, I think it would be fun if we did some quick fire quick fire questions to finish with. Okay. Question number one, right? Favorite topping on a pizza. <sighs> Favorite topping on a pizza? Uh, it's got to go with what I want. Um, pepperoni pizza. 
Mm, classic. That being said, I do like some barbecue, maybe chicken barbecue type pizza as well. So it's, I'm happy with either, you know? Yeah, yeah. Do you remember them Goodfellas pizzas we used to have? When yes, you, when you came... Sweet oh, sour sauce. Sweet, sweet, chili sweet, sauce. sweet chili dip on the side. There you go. Yeah, when you came to stay with us. I think when you stayed yeah. at mine, all we did was play tennis and mm-hmm. eat them pizzas, like the pepperoni pizzas with the sweet chili dip. And we also watched Take Me Out. We watched <laughs> Take Me Out, but we, we also got to see uh, Portugal win the Euros. Oh, yes. Wait, that was we 2018. 2016. 2016. 2016, was it? It was. Oh, my God. God, that is blown, hasn't it? It has. Right. Question number two. Actually, I need to say my favourite pizza topping. I like yes. I like pepperoni as well. You can't go wrong with pepperoni and a sweet chilli dip. Right. Question number two. You're about to play in the Wimbledon final. Um, you're playing against Roger Federer. And it's five minutes until you walk out onto the tennis court. So you want to get yourself psyched and pumped. What is your go-to hype song? <laughs> <laughs> Go to hype song. Uh, well, what we used to do at, at uni when we were, when I was at Sterling, we would we would get hyped up to this a few particular songs, random, completely random. Um, you know, "Bring Me to Life" by Evanescence. Never heard it in my life. God, it's so out there. I mean, it's completely different to what I would usually listen to but for some reason we would get massively hyped up to this or uh, Hell Yeah and it's the song that is with um, oh there's a programme um, Sugar Blue Mountain State Okay. Uh, we, we would listen to that and it's two songs and they're just so random but it was hyped to the maximum and you just come out on court you're just ready to go it was like a light switch moment. You know, you kind of relax. Once you hear that song, you're in the zone. Ready yeah, to go. That was it. Nice, nice. My hype-up song was um, pretty cliche, but Lose Yourself by Eminem. You know, it's, mm-hmm. yeah. You know, you got to go back to the roots, back to when I was on the streets and, you know, it takes me back to the days. <laughs> I'm joking. I was never on the streets. <laughs> but it definitely gets me, gets me in the zone. Right, final question, Gregor, before we finish. So, when we are allowed to travel again, where is the first place that you are going to visit? Oh, well, after coming and visiting yourself, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm thinking Australia. Australia is a great place. I've always wanted to go. Um, got some really good uh, close friends over there. Um, and, you know, just... The sun, it just it's attracting me to that kind of place. Um, yeah. What were you? I mean, I would be well up for that. You know, come you come along to here, then flying out to Australia and hanging out with our mates from um, Getter Tennis and yeah, Nelson, exactly. Nelson, and hopefully some of our mates can go. But before I go to Australia, I'm, I said it last week on the podcast, Texas. I'm going back to Texas. I can't wait to go back. It's been well for you. You you came back last March from Nukes, yes. right? Um, I was last there in summer of 2019. So it's coming up on two years now and that's far too long. So I'm going to get back out there and see all my friends and get on the tennis court. Uh, I, won't, I, won't be, I won't be far behind you. I won't be far behind you at all. You'll be coming as well? 
I'll be there ASAP. Right oh, after. Good times. Good times. Well, Gregor, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. Um, it's been a pleasure. Yeah. And I will, I'm sure we'll have you on again, again at some point. Yeah. Thank you very much for having me. Um, keep going. Cheers, bro. I'll see you soon. Cheers. Bye. Okay. All the best. Bye bye.